Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. This episode of Dum Dar is sponsored by Licker You Like on the Felpsham Road. The chap's called Hammered and he's so lovely. Doesn't mind if you come in twice a day. Don't tell anyone, thank you very much. Time is now 1.40, we're taking you straight over to Ambridge. <laughs> Dumbly on the show about the reality docudrama that is centred on Ambridge in the heart of the Midlands. I'm the Dawn Service on Lakey Hill, that is Royfield Brown, and with me are the Heads Up Hen, that is... Lucy Freeman. And the most important part of our village meeting, folks, is you. Now, today's rendition of Barrett Green is brought to you by that colossus of Archer's fandom, Miss Alliance. No, Lucy. it's not. It's brought by Cosmo. Because we changed it, didn't we? You changed it. <laughs> Today's rendition of Barrett Green is brought to you by that Colossus of Archer's fandom, Cosmo. Cosmo. <laughs> Lucy, can you yes. remind our lovely, lovely 18,000 odd listeners how that win the accolade of Dumb Dumber of the Week? And some of them are very, very old. Um, yes, if you would like to, then give us a ring on 02030313105 to sing the Hallelujah Chorus or, less disastrously, a Dumpty Dum. Or get in touch via SpeakPipe with your plot predictions, your secret crushes, or whatever, or whoever else you fancy. Um, thank you to Harriet at Shambridge for her fantastic voices, and to Derek for the loan of the back bedroom. Derek is doing this ridiculous bird-watching thing with Jimmus and Robert. So far, he's seen an egret, a couple of tips, and a shag on a fence, but that serves him right <laughs> for spying on Jazza. <laughs> <sighs> Oh, you're good at those, aren't you? 
<laughs> now, this week, it's all about the caller inners because we've got two weeks of caller inners to yes. get through. Now, we've got Claire from Scotland via Canada and probably somewhere else besides who thinks someone has moved Easter. We've got John from Newcastle with his archer's nemesis, Yokel Bear, who's from Swindon, but let's not talk about that, who says that Brian has an oral fixation, Andrew Brown, who gives us the politician's view, Blythe Spirit, who is pleased to hear that Tony is moaning again, and so am I. You know, things are all right in the world if Tony's having a good old moan. Cosmo, <laughs> me old muck and me old pal, the accountant, or oh, my accountant's doing my books at the moment, he's very good. Uh, anyway, Cosmo who's our accountant, who's probably going off on his holiday somewhere, who's concerned about health and safety, Jacqueline Bordeaux, who dis is disappointed about... Jacqueline Bordeaux, who's disappointed about Frida's death. Mary Latisse, who loves the ferrets, me too. With a spoon, he's back, who wants to know if strawberries have feelings. Andrew Horn, who's part of Lucy's posse, who says Heather has restored sanity. And Midmiss City, another returning fan, who is irritated by the paternity suit. But first, before we do all that, Lucy V. Ample-bosomed Freeman, <laughs> why don't you give us your rendition of the last week in Ambridge? Hazel Woolley, the Slitheen, visited the village and Susan spotted her with a man who was looking a bit smart for a loss adjuster, she said. What does a loss adjuster look like? Wearing a bin bag with a dog on a bit of string? Tom is donating his pork to the village, apparently, which makes a change as that's normally Brian's role. <laughs> Brian was not in a good mood as Kate cooked over Easter weekend. Kate, who is starting to sound pissed even when she is sober. After experiencing Kate's celeriac and lentil bake, he had to rush away from the table on shoot business. I think he said shoot, anyway. I'm not quite sure what is going on at Bridge Farm, but the acoustics in the new shop sound like it's located at the bottom of a well. Mind you, when David did his opening number at the village meeting, he sounded like it was being held in Westminster Cathedral. So there we are. Anyway, Susan is now plugged into the network and not before time. A couple of electrodes through the cerebral cortex will do her the power of good. And Helen has made the shop look amazing after a prolonged hunt for some rustic wooden boxes. They're on a farm. How hard can that have been? Let's get some of those rustic looking woolly things too, the ones that make the funny noise. Anyway, Tom was delighted at the change in the shop and gave Helen the most physically awkward, unspontaneous and embarrassing high five ever. They're like the Crane Boys, those two. Tom's uh, Tony's interview with the health and safety man went terrifically well. The lessons seem to be never thrust your chest in front of a psychotic bull. Just call me your agricultural correspondent. The health and mm -hmm. safety man had one of those admin type voices, but health and safety are at Bridge Farm so often they probably have their own mug well away from anyone else's if they've got any sense. Roy went ferreting about, not for the first time, but this time actually found a ferret <laughs> in a Faulty Towers type episode in which Ed stood in reception with a huge net and Joe climbed in a laundry basket. It's just everyday life, you know. Kenton and... Ooh, hello. Kenton and David Miliband are taking sibling hostility to new levels. Kenton Miliband is saying... That's very good. Yeah. Kenton Miliband is saying, yeah, Dave, you're not the boss of me. Accused him of not behaving democratically, then challenged him for the leadership of the village. I bet he looks funny eating a bacon sandwich too. 
Kenton said Jolene's eggs were in the wardrobe, which is presumably a euphemism for the menopause. Hootie Jill patronised Heather Pett, whose teeth were jolted out halfway down the motorway when Josh swerved to avoid scruff running down the hard shoulder. Auntie Cardboard talked movingly about the fact that she lived in Ambridge all her life and had some of her best experiences here. Her husband okay. had... What? I'm so, I'm really sorry, Lucy. Right. Mm. But we have to talk about this Heather Pet and the teeth. It's <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> Do you think she's putting it on or does she actually just have ill-fitting teeth? What, I don't what know. What is going on there? You can do that voice. Is Joyce Gren- We're back to Joyce Grenfell again. She did that voice quite a lot where you sort of put your tongue behind your dentures when you're talking. So you can, you can do it. As a voice, you can do it. But that's real, I think. That's not put on. So either the, either the actress does... I mean, I don't want to be... Per- I don't know how she says I don't want to be personal when all I do on this is just be personal. But um, it just seems quite odd, doesn't it? I mean, is it... It's spectacularly odd. Is it... Is, is it the a, point have they just jarring. said, no, take your, take your teeth out and let... <laughs> take your teeth out, missus. Let, and let's just have a, you know, let's have a proper, you know, older lady whose maybe teeth don't fit particularly well or... Is, is it the actress and no one's told her, or what? I don't know, it's just very strange. Mm. Well, I literally can't, cannot listen to her now without <laughs> just saying, get yourself some new teeth, woman. <laughs> I, I, it, no, it, 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 it's kind of too much. If this is some kind of parody, they need, they need to wind it down a bit. But it makes her sound like she's 105. Yeah, when she's That's talking to thing. Jill... It sounds like Jill could be her daughter. Jill, exactly. Jill already patronises her and talks to her like she's 150. But the teeth aspect doesn't help, really, does it? Not much, no. Anyway, listen, uh, why don't you crack on with this and maybe we'll return back to Heather Pet's teeth at a later okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh Auntie Cardboard talked movingly about the fact that she lived in Ambridge all her life and had some of her best experiences here. Her husband had died, her house had been burned down and then flooded and she'd been taken hostage. You can see why she doesn't want to leave. Uh, Rob made poo on toast for Helen and Henry in a dirty protest at having to cook his own tea. The massive bellend. Talking of massive bellends, we move on to Adam and Charlie and their drone. But once they'd got rid of Kate, they had a go at surveying the land with a flying camera. You don't have to move it around too much, Adam, and don't do it too hard, said Charlie, in an exchange that would have had the woman that wrote Forty Shades of Grey going, no, that's too unsubtle. They then went out for lunch together. 50. 50. Oh, sorry, yes, 50. <laughs> I missed a shade. I missed 10. Uh, they then went out for lunch together, which was cooked by Adam's husband, which either made Adam seem to be suffering from Mr. Magoo levels of emotional short-sightedness or transforming into a slight sociopath. It was all right, though, as Susan distracted them by screaming when she saw something big and hairy. I'm not sure why Gay Grables has that effect on Adam and Charlie, to be honest. Shula tried her dress on, which was yellow with feathery bits, and Alistair peered at her through his binoculars and then ticked Big Bird from Sesame Street off on his Observer book of massive tits. <laughs> Poor Dan Dan the army man ended up with his own grand perving over him and then his parents went to Sandhurst and pulled his pips off. But don't worry, that's the kind of thing that made this country great. The end. Oh, I, I enjoyed that this week. Anyway, so that's mm. that. The end. Right. <laughs> What's next? Uh, we've had a billion trillion calls, haven't we? Are, are you cracking on? 
before, no, sorry, we, have just, a, just, before just, we just like yeah. have a little bit of a recap and just set last thoughts on the week that was. Okay. Are you just are you just like speeding off? No, sorry, sorry. No, Should no. just crack on. No yes. blunt, no talk about what we think about the last week of Ambush because who cares what we think? Yeah, exactly. We got well, the listeners do. No, they don't. They're just nice. They're just waiting for us to shut up so they can have a go. <laughs> <laughs> so why don't we just do that then? Who's first? Um, first, we have Claire from Scotland via Canada. Hello, Ambridge3962. No, don't do that. Horoscope is very pleased and very confused. You also need to explain to me, because this is where I was confused, what the services at St. Stephen's are, and if you can't do that, you need to tell me where to find the bulletin that lists the services, because when Alan started talking about a Friday vigil, I panicked, because I am a chorister, and I am having to sing the tridium, and I'm having to learn the music for it, and I'm running around like a lunatic doing this, and I suddenly thought I'd got the days out of order, and that Easter even was happening a day early. And then I realised he was talking about a Friday vigil, and it was okay, and I slightly stopped panicking, but I did become very confused. And it shouldn't actually matter, except that having been brought up with a deep love of Barbara Pym and Dorothy Sayers, I haven't even built sort of love of the minutiae of church life, so I want to know, because I can't imagine they're having what we're having, getting the venerations of the cross. Part of me can, because I picture St. Stephen's being very high church. Another part of me thinks that Alan wouldn't like to hold the service, and Ambridge as a collective wouldn't either, so I don't know what the vigil is, but I do want to. The alternative, of course, is that they've got a very early watch of the Passion on Good Friday morning. But if they're reading things out of that, then I'm even more confused than I was to start with. So please, the bulletin for the church services, I could stop tying myself in knots trying to work it out. Claire from Scotland via Canada wants to know uh, what the service is of the... Uh, well, hang on a minute, my mic's gone funny. Oh, that's better. Um, she wants to know... Um, the church services, because Ambridge seems to have more church services. They seem to have one on the hour, every hour, as far as I can tell. Uh, and bearing Do in mind think, most... Because you know the countryside, mm. right? So the countryside's about like 15, 20 years behind uh, <laughs> the, the proper bits of the country, like yep. the cities. Yes, right. right. That's annoying. Three quarters of Ambridge... our listeners. Let's see who else we can go for. <laughs> well, you know, there's a lot of church services mm-hmm. in Ambridge. It kind of feels to me that like Ambridge is like pre the Reformation. There are more. When there are saints more days church, and all sorts. Yeah, there are more church attendants in Ambridge than it must have a greater congregation than than many 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 other churches, and mm. people seem to have um a greater awareness of it as well in terms of Easter and Lent and you know observing religious festivals that I am mm. fairly sure. Um, I'm not a churchgoer, so I'm not quite sure how. But I mean, but considering none of them are exactly kind of... I mean, I know there's there's people who have genuine sort of faith and are... Of course, yes, I know lots of people have genuine faith, but are very sort of well, uh, committed to it and everything. And mm. they... They know it from a from a from a b- b- theological sort of, point. Yeah, and appreciating God's love and all that stuff. And then there are people that just go along with it for the tradition. And it's like, I always think of it as like you know, the cricket. You know, you listen to the Test match special or whatever, and and it's sort of like I listen to the Test match and I listen to the Archers and I go to church, and mm. it's kind of in that same 
it's just what you do kind well, of there's, there's something yes and I think you've put your finger on it there but there you know is... Shula had a massive crisis of faith didn't she she had mm. a genuine crisis of faith about uh, her Alan and Usha. affair and then and then Alan and Usha yeah mm. um, but I think you put your finger on it there is something deliciously cosy about the C of E yeah and of which Ambridge is kind of writ large, where nobody professes their faith. They don't actively deploy it on a day-to-day basis in terms of their reasoning and why they do this and why they do that. But they'll roll along to church on a Sunday. Absolutely. And then roll back again. Well, if you want want to really, really horrify a member of the middle classes, you talk about God, seriously. Mm. Or you talk about love, seriously. And their engines start revving as you're talking. You know, you can, <laughs> you can feel them backing away, both mentally and spiritually. You know, sort of, it's it's that very English thing of you know you can believe what you like, and it's absolutely fine. Just don't don't frighten the horses. There's no need to show off. There's no need to make a big song and dance about it. And there's no need to, as they say, be silly about it, which means you know actually show some sort of passion. Mm. No, that is one of the big differences between us and our transatlantic cousins, isn't it? Where. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At least in the middle bits of the United States, you can profess your belief in a supreme being ad nauseum. And people say, well, that's perfectly fine. And uh, and of course, if you're going to run for president, you need to profess a belief in a supreme being. Uh, whereas over here, we just see it as absolutely odd and peculiar. Yeah. You know. But anyway, so have we answered Claire from Scotland? <laughs> no, <laughs> not in the slightest. But... <laughs> she wants to know, is there anywhere where there's a schedule of services for St. Stephen's? Why does she want to know this? Because she's interested in how many they seem to have. And then they mentioned a Friday vigil because she is doing, um, she was doing Easter things at her own church. And they started talking about a Friday vigil. And she thought, crikey, are we supposed to be having one of those? When is it? Have I missed it? What's going on? And it sort of sent her into a panic. So, mm. um Yes, but I mean, there, I... there are most things archersy somewhere on the web, but I have never seen a schedule of services for for St Stephen's. Maybe we should ask the um, the Twitter people, the web people. We could ask lovely Andrew. Hi everyone, it's John from Newcastle here. Um, I'm actually off work today. I'm on study leave. I'm in the middle of studying for my economics and statistics exam that I've got coming up in a couple of weeks. I've been at it for about an hour and a half and I'm sick of it already, so hence I'm skiving off to send in a little voicemail. Um, Because I've been working hard, I haven't really been listening to the Archers much this week. Plus, there was a day in the week when the podcast was delayed and wasn't available till halfway through the following day, so that threw me off no end. Um, So what I'm going to talk about today instead is uh, my Archers nemesis. I've submitted my Archers crush before, it's still Linda Snell. Um, But I haven't told you the the one person that I really can't stand, and that is Susan Carter. I, I hate, hate the woman. I absolutely cannot bear her. Um, I don't hate people in real life, but for some reason, Susan Carter just really, really winds me up, whether it's from her saying that uh, Neil was a doormat and and the way she treated him then, or whether it was her outburst at the village meeting the other day, or whether it's just the fact that she stirs it up something rotten and she's always gossiping in the shop. I absolutely despise the woman. Um, What a shame she didn't go away with the flood uh, in the manner that Scruff seems to have, unless something has happened since I've... Uh, last caught the archers so yes 
bring back Scruff, wash away Susan Carter, please. Um, that's it for me for this week. Sorry I didn't catch the live show, by the way. Um, I was busy occupied with my nephews at the time, but I'm hoping that there'll be another one very soon that I can listen to. Um, thanks again. Keep up the good work. Bye for now. Um, uh, John from Newcastle, his Archer's nemesis, mm. who is uh, Susan Carter. Hates her, hates her, hates her. Um, John from Newcastle is doing an economics and stats degree. And the Archers is ruining his revision time because he keeps going off to listen to Dumpty Dum and the Archers and everything like that. But isn't John from Newcastle some big clever person in a bank? He is. Oh, okay. Which would explain why he's doing economics and stats, I presume. Because you have lots of Johns that listen. We do. We've got John from Dorset as well. Yeah. Yep. And I like, yeah. So if, you're, if, you're, if your name is John and you listen from somewhere other than Dorset or Newcastle, please uh, tweet us, email us or uh, speak pipe us. And uh, and tell us which John you are. Yeah. <laughs> Please. <laughs> what do you think about Susan? Lover. Love really? Her. Yeah. No. I like all of humanity that listened to the the Archers. I was absolutely horrified by her uh, for years, and but she she's needed in in the fact that she plays an archetype which is you know every community of people has the gossip yeah. has the person who's you know snide whether subtly so yeah. or overtly so and you need her just to go Ugh, and she yeah. puts all the other characters in into sharp relief but also yeah. she doesn't fall for the bullshit either susan she has got no she no, but, but she doesn't even fall for the truth no, no. Susan Carter believes what Susan Carter wants to believe, which is the worst of everybody, <laughs> even no, her own like, husband. Everybody kowtows to Brian, mm. you know, but she, no matter, she sort of has a grudging respect for him because he's got money. But the fact that he, you know, shags around and has children left, right and centre kind of is never far from her thoughts. She never, ever thinks anybody's better than they should be to use that sort of. Oh, I, dis- I couldn't disagree with you more. She's got a massive inferiority complex to do with money and social standing. Oh, yeah. That, well, that's, snobbish, her, that's, that's her yes. whole thing. No, yeah. but the, her resentment at that. Her resentment mm. and her acknowledgement of the fact that, you know, she's kind of married into the Aldridges, but she will never be one, kind of means that she's the only one well, that she, continually no, no, no. But, brings but up. Now you're sounding like Susan Carter, saying <laughs> she's married into the Aldridges. No, her son has married yes. into the Aldridges, and yes. she believes that she has. Yes, I did love that And it's, bit. you know, total yeah. social climate as far yes. as she's concerned. But she never, she never lets anybody uh, start believing their own publicity. You know, whenever she's rejected by Jennifer, she brings up the fact that Jennifer was brought up in a pub. And, you know, whenever <laughs> uh, Brian is throwing his weight around, she sort of uh, will bring up um, uh, Rory or whatever. And she never kind of lets anybody start... I don't know. The negative is never far under the surface, but sometimes you but need that. But that's because she's negative about everybody. I know. I know. And but it has to be said though that the whole thing about the kitchen and the invite for the unveiling oh, of the was kitchen lovely. was absolutely delicious. Yeah. Not as good as the ski trip. I loved the ski trip when he went off with um, what was she called? That incredibly posh girl. She had a ridiculous name. Do you remember? I don't, you know. Oh God, he went he went on a ski trip with her, oh, and she's called a name. Oh, what's her name? Lavinia or something. And everyone's going to email me now and go, "Is so and so?" I know. Um, 
and uh, and Susan had never didn't know anything about skiing and she was getting to grips with all the lingo and you know she bought him tons of stuff and she really got carried away with it I'm going to remember her name about three o'clock in the morning aren't I I'll probably wake up shouting it just to tell you what why don't you just google it no, I can't because if the Skype connection is working now, I don't want to tempt fate by <laughs> even touching my computer. Should we do the next one? Um, have we wrapped up with Susan Carter? I think so. Nee Horribin. Nee Horribin. I think she's one of the best actresses. Mm. I think her. I think she's one of the best comic actresses. Her and Linda, I think. Well, she plays it with a straighter bat than Linda, doesn't she? Yes. You know, yeah. that you you can actually listen to her performances and, you see, and if you were to read them on, on, a, on a piece of paper they wouldn't necessarily be comic you know but she just adds that, that little yeah. touch you know, yeah. whereas Linda is much more you know, broad brush yeah pantomime almost mm. Mm. hello Dumpty Dum it's Yokel Bear here calling from Swindon but let's not speak of that um Yes, very interesting podcast this week. Um, stuff about young socialists. I was in the young socialists when I was, well, quite a bit younger. Um, wasn't a very good one, though. Um, I remember went to this summer camp, a young socialist summer camp thing, out in, in the wild somewhere. And when we got there, it was all kind of um, very communal, as you'd imagine. Um, and I was told, well, everyone has to take a turn, you know, um, taking the rubbish away and and peeling the potatoes and, and serving up the food. And I was like, oh, honeys, I don't cater and I don't do manual work. Um, I wouldn't say that I was a champagne socialist, more of a cheap night out with a Lamb- with Lambrini socialist, to be honest. Um, but yeah, so it was quite interesting that came up in Dumpty Dum. But it's all about the archers, so um, yeah, some interesting things this week. But I've noticed something about Brian. Have you noticed how obsessed he is with food? Um, and, well, it's kind of his line in the sand, isn't it? You know, Kate can push him too far, but then when you mess with his dinner, then that's it. That's the line in the sand. Um, so I think that's quite interesting. I think he's done that before, hasn't he, when the kitchen was being put in. It was all about the, where's my dinner? Um, he's a very um, oral person, it would seem. Um, I don't know, maybe Witherspoon can give us a bit of an analysis of that. Mind you, Witherspoon should probably give a bit of analysis of me of the fact that I've noticed it. So, but anyway, there's my thoughts. Random thoughts, young socialist, Brian being a bit oral. Um, so that's me done for the week. All right, and bye. Yokel Bear. He was a young socialist. He's my nemesis. He's He's my archer's nemesis. (laughs) (laughs) He liked your young socialists bit. You know, you talked about Mm. going to the young socialists thing. Yes. Um, Because he was one. I don't Mm. know whether he sold cupcakes for 20p. Um, And he says, have we noticed that Brian is obsessed with food and that the only time Brian actually puts his foot down about anything is when there's a threat to his stomach? Um, But... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Honestly, Yoko Bear, I don't think we ever need to question the fact that Brian has an oral fixation. Um, it, it's sort of... Brian is a very sensual man, isn't he? He loves good whiskey, good wine, nice women, um, sex, you know, sort of... Uh, sort of very luxurious things or very sensual, tactile things. And food is all part of that for him. And he's been deprived of the sex because there's no one around that he either hasn't had sex with or wants to. So, um, you know, he's now he's now left to 
start having illicit thoughts about venison casserole so yeah as soon as it comes to any any sort of you know threat of that disappearing like kate cooking something utterly disgusting something that looks pebble dashed uh then you know it's uh it's a huge threat to his to his persona bless him i love brian my name is sandra first time color runner otherwise known as at one x widow on the twitters i normally listen um, when I'm delivering leaflets for the political party for which I'm a member and candidate, um, goes by the name of the Liberal Democrats. I had been thinking about co- making this call to discuss who we thought in the village uh, voted for whom, but you kind of preempted that in last week's episode in any case. Um, so I'm just going to add a couple. Jim, I believe, last time voted Liberal Democrat. There was a subtle hint when he took the Guardian um, in the lead up to the 2010 general election and one or two other things he said suggested he was going um, the yellow way. Uh, Susan, I can't decide whether she's a dyed-in-the-wool, true blue Tory who idolises Thatcher, wishes the Tory party were still Thatcherite and votes for them regardless, or whether she's a Tory who's so Tory she now votes UKIP. They can be quite hard to distinguish. Brian and Jennifer will be proper Tory, Quite possibly Lillian too. You've mentioned Kate uh, as footing green. I suspect Fallon might fall into that category as well. But, um, just to just to even things up, the Grundys and the uh, Horribans will be Labour voters. Uh, so there's a quick uh, whistle-stop tour of um, some of the residents of the village as to who they might vote for. Um, glad I finally finally called in and um, look forward to doing. So again, oh, one thing, occupation-wise, I currently work for a company of financial advisors doing research, back office admin, and that sort of thing. Uh, my formal job title is paraplanner, um, but nobody ever knows what that means. All right, bye for now. Um, oh, first time caller in mm. Andrew Brown, who listens to us while he is delivering his Lib Dem leaflets as he is the prospective candidate. Oh. So he... Never mind, Andrew. Just to say. <laughs> anyway, um, he, uh, just, he just whilst you're collecting your your thoughts there, I, I was wandering along, uh, wandering along yesterday, in Queens Park, and uh, a Tory type person thrust. I I tell you, Lucy, thrust into my general direction one of their propaganda leaflets. Yes, and I had to look him in the eye and say you are so barking up the wrong tree. <laughs> I don't even know where to start <laughs> he removed his dream. hand from my path <laughs> and, and, and 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 averted his gaze right right but and he, here's the thing right there was a, a gentleman of a Afro-Caribbean hue next to him with the biggest 1970s Afro with a massive Tory rosette on his lapel and I don't mind admitting, it did enough bug with all of my preconceptions. Mm. You know, he looked like, in another era, you'd have said he was a member of the Black Panther Party. <laughs> His afro was that big and that 70s. And there he was with this big rosette, you know, big enough so Davy Cameron. Shaft yeah, is now standing exactly. for the tour. <laughs> <laughs> Richard Roundtree's little brother he was. Oh. And, uh, you know, and I just said to myself... Isn't it a great sign of socially how we've come on? Yeah. But anyway, 
that's as political as I'm going to get with this. But however, just wanted to say that somebody, and I've forgotten who you are, and I'm furiously looking on the Twitters, who did join about the cupcake revolution in the... Yes, uh, I saw the, that. That was very yes, good. Yes, yes, it was very, very good. And I'm sorry that I've forgotten who, who you are that tweeted that, but it's very funny. It's very lovely. And there you go. Uh, yeah, well, Andrew Brown... Lib Dem mm. prospective candidate for somewhere or other said Ambridge says Jim is a Lib Dem. <laughs> Jim mm. is a Lib Dem. Susan is a Tory who idolises Thatcher. Now, absolutely, absolutely. bang absolutely. on the money. He said, mm. but those kind of people can tip over slightly too far and become UKIP. He said it's difficult to tell. Uh, Fallon's green. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. And uh, the Grundys and the Horribins are Labour. Then. Mm. I'm not mm. sure about that. I'm not I'm sure. Not. I'm not sure. There's that. It's, it's that working class yeah. Tory thing. Yeah. You know, and Queen, especially country, da, da, da. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Deferential. Yeah. You know, stratas of society. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So I'm not so sure about that, Mr. Andrew Brown. Yeah. Hmm. Yes. Um, and then he told us what he did, and the line went a bit funny. And he's apparently a parrot planner. I can't really believe that he's a parrot planner. I don't know how you would plan a parrot. Well, I know how a parrot would plan a parrot, but I'm not really sure why Andrew Brown's intervention would be necessary. But anyway, thank you very much for your call, Andrew. And mm. have fun with your parrots. He needs to get back and tell us how he got on. Yes. Yeah. In fact, they all do. All the councillors that, that mm. listen to us, and there are many, many millions, as I always say, and you always say, you said that last week. Um, yes, ring in and tell us. How you're all doing? What's it like on the campaign trail? How many doors have you had slammed in your face? Hello, lovelies. It's Sam here. I'm on Twitter at at D. I'm very confused. I cannot get a handle on how old any of the characters are. I, un- I understand that the old ones are the age they are. Everyone knows Joe Grundy's 93, etc, etc. I understand how young the young ones are. But I cannot work out for the life of me how old any of them are in between. Because Fallon sounds like she's too young to be Jolene's daughter to me. Jolene sounds much older than Kenton. Kenton's supposed to be David's big brother, except he sounds like a feckless teenager compared to David being a grown-up. David and Ruth were supposed to be trying for another baby, which is something I need mind bleach to even consider. Well, Tim Bentink was supposed to be pushing 60. I appreciate they're all acting, and so, you know, they don't have to be the age they actually are in real life. But if I didn't know what the familial relationships were, I don't think I could ever guess based on how old I think they are. I mean, many things confuse me, let's be honest, but this is fairly high on the list lately. Anyway, uh, belated congratulations on your 50th birthday. Thank you very much for the entertainment and for the strange looks I get on the 705 from Winchester to Waterloo and for the new friends. Lots of love to you both. See you soon. Bye bye. Sam Mary D. Sam Mary D does very good calls because we are all immersed in Archer's law, aren't we? And this little weird little world that we live in. But she is a mm. recent listener. So she asks some very good questions that mm. the rest of us have forgotten to ask because we're, we sort of know it all backwards. She says she would find it very difficult to establish how old the characters are if she, was just, if she didn't have a family context to put them in. She said Fallon sounds too young to be Jolene's daughter. Jolene sounds older than Kenton. Well, no, Jolene sounds older. Jolene is supposed to be older than Kenton. Um, and Pip sounds now, new Pip sounds much older than mm. 
I think she actually is. I kind of lose track of how old they are, largely because they're they're on they're on um, they're, they're they're voiced. Well, they're automatically vo- you know sort of pre-recorded voiced when they're toddlers, and all they ever say is "Yes, Wob" and things like that. And then they disappear, don't they, for about eight years, and then they reappear at the age of sort of ten, eleven. Well, the, there is that peculiar way of uh, you know an Ambridge childhood, you know, and the fact that, as you Silent. said, you you hear you hear one or two things, then they disappear. Like everybody goes off to boarding school, in effect, really. Mm. And, and then, then all they... you hear is from "Come away from the edge," blah blah, <laughs> when they're on the village pond. Ooh, but, look at the fireworks, Sensei. That's it. But if you take somebody's voice away from them as a as a physical person, voices actually age at a very strange rate. Yeah. And you know, well, it's just like list- Heather Pet, isn't it? Well, sounds uh, 153. Well, she's a yeah, exactly. She's 153. Then you've got Pip, who does sound like she's in her 40s. Yeah. Uh, but. Um, Debbie Aldridge is is a is a case in point for me in that I knew of her voice for years before I ever saw the actress that played her, and it's always a surprise to me when I see her playing a mother with grown up children because yeah. I still don't. To me, she sounds much younger. Mm. You know, her voice has not at all aged, and I think. People's voices age very, very slowly. Some people, uh, especially boys, as teenagers, can have very manly voices. They're incredibly deep. So Mm. we associate them with being older. Mm. Whereas with women, it can age at a much more kind of graceful uh, pace, glacial pace almost. And then somebody can actually, in terms of just voice terms play somebody much 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 younger like the the actress like number one um for, for example i should say the 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 actor that plays uh bart simpson is mm. female yeah and Nancy is Watson. nigh on 60 yeah you know well interestingly well interestingly she says in inverted commas um you know shula no well there were <laughs> there was a time Mm. When Shula was used to play young boys in the afternoon play, hmm. because her voice is the, a young a young boy's voice, kind of ten, eleven year old, is the same pitch as uh, a woman of about thirty five. Hmm. So quite often, if you listen to the old afternoon plays already for extra, you'll suddenly think, "Hey, that's Shula," and uh, yes, there there she will be. Hmm. But yes, I um, I think it's it's fascinating topic, and we should get on uh, our uh, colleague of thousand voices, oh, yes. Harriet Carmichael. Should get her on. Because has in... Bert ever sounded any younger than he does now? <laughs> he was born sounding like that. You mentioned as a child, he was sounding like that. Mm, very true. Very true. But then when you listen to the old ones, and sometimes you hear Jill, and she suddenly sounds really buoyant and youthful and there's a sort of a note in her voice that there that isn't there anymore it's, it's really interesting hmm. when do you listen to old episodes of the archers um well, if i'm trying to remember what happened or somebody's backstory or whatever you got them in cassette tape have you <laughs> no you can find them online. eight track <laughs> <laughs> every night i sit there with me cans on pouring over me little 
you get out your Bakelite radio. Yes, Bakelite, that's the word. Yes. Yeah. Hello, Dumpty Tum, Blythe Spirit here. Um, just caught up with the Omnibus over Easter Sunday with lots of nice hot cross buns and a l- very large cup of tea, so extremely happy here. This week in Umbridge, well, blimey, Tony's back to normal, isn't he? Um... Well, how do we know this? Well, he's moaning all over the place about the state of the yard, state of the shop, parking on the farm, about the investigation. And uh, like the really sunny soul that he is, he's gone straight to the worst case scenario, assuming that he's going to be tried, hung, drawn and quartered for this uh, this event that happened on the farm. But it's good to have him back because, you know, even though things can be sunny, we like someone to rain on our parade occasionally. And let's face it, Tony's the man to do it. Um loving really loving the story about ferrets running wild around grey gables um as ever the grundies are giving good fare and uh, really good storyline enjoying that very much titchy knob well yes i completely agree with goddess diva um i'm not going to top her laugh because it was absolutely brilliant um but um yes i agree with lucy i think with someone like him when intimidation doesn't work then he really starts to flail he feels like he's backed into a corner and my prediction is that he is the father and that he is going to do whatever he possibly can to fake this test I really think he's going to do that um what I want to know though is what on earth is going on with Kenton has he had a personality transplant or something because all of a sudden he's gone from a really sunny jester life and soul of the party lovely little chap to a petulant little nightmare um I really hope that if this does reach Jill, she's going to read him the riot act because the way that he's behaving, I mean, okay, if he has a problem with David, talk to him in private, but don't, really don't air your dirty laundry in public and and, and instigate this ridiculous vendetta. I mean, it's just not on. So someone needs to have a word with him, basically. I think he needs to have a really good word with himself. And finally, like Witherspoon and little Angus Doggy, I'm very worried about Scruff. I'm particularly concerned because if they do find him with all the changes of personnel recently, the chances are he's going to come back with a different bark. So um, I really hope they find him soon. Anyway, still loving the podcast. Keep up the fantastic work. And I hope you've had a lovely, lovely Easter. Um, Cheers now. Take care. Bye. Uh, Blythe Spirit says she's glad that Tony is back being Moni. And that is how we know he's better because he's doing his we're all doomed thing again. Um... Yes, but he's nobody's going to go to prison, are they? They'll just, you know, if he, if he, I mean, I don't, I do understand that they have to investigate this flipping mm. bull stampede thing. But for goodness sake, he, he wasn't negligent, was he? I mean, I suppose having. No. But I suppose Johnny's if this was some kind of cop show, he'd be called it a procedural, wouldn't yeah. it? And this is an agricultural procedural. And There's an accident that's yeah. happened. For Tony, and, of course, know, it means... The farm's going to be taken off him and it's all going to go wrong. Because that's just the kind of little ray of sunshine he is. Oh, and she is, Blythe Spirit is one of the people who is very worried about Kenton. Because there's a disturbance in the force and Kenton is now acting like a spoilt. He's not though. I See, I do, I know you laughed at me earlier, but I do, I can see his point. Kenton is never, ever taken seriously. Well, He's always he, the flighty one is, that, you know... But this is the reason why, though, isn't it? Because mm. is And listen, I like I like him. Now, yeah. I, you know, as, as Fallon said a few weeks ago, whatever you want to say about him, there isn't a bad bone in his body. Yeah. And, he th- you know, genuinely there isn't. She didn't quite say that, but worse to that effect, you know. 
when he put his arm around Bert. And, and absolutely. And Kenton is angry with himself. Yeah. He, he had, you know, a glimpse of the person who he always thought he was going to be. And, and he said that, didn't he? You yeah. know, he was handing out largesse yes, to his yeah. stepdaughter. Yeah. You know, he had a bit of, you can have a little bit of coin in his pocket. You know, he could jet around the world, etc. And and so he's angry that his dream has been been ripped away. But also he's angry with himself in that mm. he he absolutely knows he shouldn't have spent yeah. that money. Yeah. You know, and and but then again, also for him, he doesn't have that connection to the land he doesn't which is the reason why yeah. he went away all those years ago and he always is the what you is what yeah yeah you know, sell it sell it dave come on let, let you know let's go but also what, he's always been in david's shadow and that was why he said look when tom broke his vow to kirsty and uh, you know and cleared off before the wedding everybody was so angry with him he had to leave the country david lets everybody in kenton Street, lets everybody down makes some flippant decision at the last minute makes a sentimental speech and then he's fated as the saviour of Ambridge and everybody's hero. And well, he, he wanted I David to how, be... I don't know how he can equate the two things. In terms of letting everybody down, at best he let down two people, Kenton and Shula. Yeah. Shula, you know, took it on the chin very yeah. gracefully. So really, he only really let down Kenton. So he didn't yeah. let down the whole village. And but he, he, he's got that, that sibling thing of... I really want to see the good one get into trouble. Why, why, why isn't anybody getting... Why isn't anybody telling him off? Mummy, go and tell him off. And mummy isn't. Mummy's backing David up. Mm. Um, but as, as Tim said a couple of weeks ago, this is actually uh, very well written and it was a lovely twist. Not just the, the fact that we always knew that he was never going to go, so, so Kenta was going to be left up, up, the, yeah. you know, up the creek with that paddle, but also the fact that he could have actually called him when he's in Australia and said, hmm, yeah. stop spending on that credit card. He's up on the thought, visa, mate. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and um, he didn't, for understandable reasons. Yeah. Uh, he's saying, well, I didn't want to ruin his holiday, so I thought let him just spend up more on just diamonds. Ruin his <laughs> <instead>. <laughs> Yeah, and then had the cover of the flood, you know, yeah. to be able to uh, yeah. break the news to him as well. So, but no, it, it, it's very good. Um, but I, you know, I, let's let, let's just hope uh, that this uh, sibling sibling feud. Mm. Sorry, put my teeth in. After sounding like Heather Pitt, then <laughs> get some teeth that fit. Um, sibling feud doesn't go on too long. Yes. Well, something will happen, won't it? Where the, 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 somebody will save somebody from something, and then it was like the Grundy boys. When push comes to shove, they all sort it sort it out. Really, have the Grundy boys really sorted? Well, it they can't. They get close to it, don't they? Like when they when they when they work together to help Eddie when he was um, mm. in trouble and all that. They, they are slowly drifting closer together. That has yeah. to be said. But that, again, that's been you know viewed largely over because the... of Nick, who is coming on the show soon. Ooh hoo! I tell you what, right, Lucy? Yeah. Here's the thing I'm going to share with just you. Yeah, don't right. tell me. I can guess. She... Can you? Yeah. What am I going to say then? That she's a new member of your lovely girls and she's really no, funny and no, lovely. And... No, 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 not at all. Not at all. She could well be, right? But that's not <laughs> at all what I was going to say. This is what I was going to say. My God, is she not a born actor? Because 
the person who I met in that pub is light years away from the character she plays yeah. on The Archers. Yeah. In terms of her voice, yeah. but her personality. Yeah. You, you know, just, I... When um, Harriet told me actually who she was, I says, I beg your pardon. <laughs> that feisty, yeah. ballsy, yeah. you know, woman in the corner. No way is that Nick Grundy. Should, yeah. mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. I cannot wait. I repeat, cannot wait to get her on Derek's She's very, bed. very funny. She is funny. She's sparky. She's kind of in your face. And by all accounts, according to you, she can't half sing too. Yeah. Uh, she, she's... Ooh, yeah, she's great. Yep. I stood on a chair and sang my Sharona with her for no apparent reason. I know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, Cosmo. Mm. He, he, he has requested uh, entry into my, my what he describes as toy boy entourage. Toy boy, Cosmo. This implies that I am older than you, Bush, and you're retired. Thanks very much. <laughs> Charming. You're not going to get much action from Cosmo, are I'm you? Not. Well, he's never here for a start. Well, e- even when he's around. Terminal three. Um, can, can he can he be aroused to perform? I don't know. I haven't got that far with him. I haven't gone anywhere with. Him. Uh, yes, it, 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 Cosmo is now officially our economics correspondent. So he is mm. here to give us his um, his economics roundup of of the Archers. We need economics in music here. What what would economics music sound like? Uh, if you remember the first few Dum De Dums when we had the whole Damara Capital thing, we used to have some economic news music. Oh yes, we did. Well, we'll have to use the Damara Capital music then for Cosmos right. economics. Cue it up now. Hello, Dum De Dum. Cosmo here again. Did I tell you I'm going on holiday in about four weeks' time? I have to admit that even I thought I sounded boring last week. Sorry for sending Royfield to sleep. On the whole, I am the side of 50, which likes to be able to hear what I'm listening to, so the bits without music are preferred. But Lucy was a bit quiet at times last week, but it all sounds much improved over a couple of months ago. So all that effort is not going to waste Royfield. And Lucy, as you're planning to spend your money on toy boys, can I apply to join your uh, toy boy entourage please anyway i think the point of the podcast is to talk about the archers and royfield must be pleased that this week has been back to character like stories with the donkey being noisy and tony braying kenton exhibiting a completely new set of childish behaviors although he needs to turn the volume down slightly plus i would like to mention a business of ferrets running loose but there was only one so it cannot be a business I'm also wondering why we have three beef production units in the village, one at Brookville, one at Grange Farm and one at Bridge Farm, when recent research shows that the average beef producers are making a loss of between £74 a head and £425 a head. Bridge Farm in particular makes no sense to me at all because they've lost the control of the organic milk source for their unique products for Ambridge Organics. Very strange. Moving on to the Health and Safety Act and Inspection Life, have to admit I actually know something about this. If there has been an accident, then forget trying to plead not guilty. No one will ever get off. 
but the plea in mitigation of a severe sentence should be carefully constructed with Tony limping into court on crutches or still in a wheelchair, uh, even if he doesn't need them, and he should go and tell them how his only remaining son had to return from Canada with a voice transplant and how it has affected him. And I should point out that it is the second time that health and safety people have been to Bridge Farm given the earlier death of John. So it's a second offence, pretty unsafe place, conviction will almost certainly follow. Some time ago I half promised to explain Ed's lease, but this sounds like it's turning into another episode of Moneybox Live, so I think it's time for me to go. Still enjoying hearing from you each week, and look forward to hearing the missing live episode at some point. Bye for now. There you go. Marvellous. Thank you, Cosmo. Enjoy your next Hollyers, wherever it is, Blackpool or... Whatever. Hi, it's Jacqueline Berto from Brittany in France here at J Berto Sanguen. I just had a bank holiday catch up on last week's uh, Dumpty Dum. My 12 year old was listening along in the background and did make one comment. She wanted to know how can a man as obsessed by the archers as that Roy I. Field say that Poldark is one dreadful drama? Personally, I love the rambling banter this week, even the mentions of Lucy's bosoms and whipping. Mm. French in my world don't do innuendo, so it's a delight to hear. I do want to make a comment about the death of Frida. Frankly, I find it very disappointing. Because at the beginning of the Great Flood, I tweeted a prediction that Jill would die as she was due to be given a lift back from St Stephen's by Frida. That would have been even more harrowing and the current debacle stroke battle between Kenton and David could have been taken to another level. Just imagine. I think Kenton's acting just as we'd expect his character to. No, it just goes to show, well, this is my own personal little opinion, that there may be a gene that is latent in all of them and it shows only in certain characters like Kenton and Kate. But it needs a little uh, stay in the colonies to really bring it into the foreground. Oh, twill be dear Adam next. I love Lucy's soliloquy on Rob. Oh, brilliant insight. Have a good one this week. Bye. Um, Jacqueline Berthaud, for some reason, wants to introduce my bosoms into the conversation. Uh, I try and keep my bosoms out of most things, Jacqueline. But it is a job and a half, I have to say. Um... <laughs> She's quite disappointed that Frida died because she was hoping Jill was going to die. I think reading between the lines, that seems to be the gist. Because <laughs> uh, she thought Frida was going to be driving Jill back from somewhere or the other way around and that one of them would perish. But sadly, it was Frida who shuffled off this mortal coil very quietly. Hi, Dundee Dum. It's Mary. I tweet sometimes as Mary Latiss. Um, I really enjoyed the ferret episode with the Grundies. The image I had of Ed standing in reception with his big net and of Joe wearing his polar bear slippers, well, it, it made me laugh out loud and I really, really liked that episode. The other thing is that I am not liking this side of Kenton. It makes me feel very uncomfortable. I think probably because the writing and the acting is so brilliant. Um, I'm no Witherspoon, which isn't a phrase I thought I'd ever hear myself say, but I do think that Kenton is probably most angry with himself because he's once again proven himself to be the like the profligate, silly one. Uh, you know, his sisters didn't spend their money before they had it, and, and he's been left a bit high and dry, really. Um, I'm definitely Team David on this one because he just sounds so upset when he talks about it all. 
So uh, we shall see. Loving the podcast. Carry on the good work. Uh, take care. Bye bye now. Mary Latis. She loved the uh, ferrets in the hotel. That was very. That was very divisive. The whole oh, ferret wasn't episode. it just? Wasn't it just? People said, "I'm turning off. This is ridiculous. It's like bloody faulty towers." And but she found it funny. But Ed standing in reception with a big net. I actually thought Ed did a cracking performance then. And there was a, a very. He's a. I, he was. Um, he never actually gets to do much funny stuff, Ed, because he's always in mm. the storylines, which I have a horrible feeling he's heading straight for again. Um, what, buying that tractor? Oh, buying the tractor, doing the work for Charlie, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, um, but he was with the ferret thing. Mm. He was very good, I think, in his exchanges with Roy. He, uh, yeah, it was it was. Uh, yeah, done really beautifully. I thought very, very good timing and a really nice light touch. I'm not sure I'd have given the whole episode to a bloody ferret, but anyway, I did like <laughs> the fact it was called Daphne. <laughs> 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 I think they just get drunken right this, you know. <sighs> uh, and now it's Witherspoon's Corner. Can we have the music from Fraser for Witherspoon's Corner? Uh, are you paying the, 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 oh. uh, the copyright royalties on that, are you? Nope. Okay, we're not going to have the music for Fraser, but you just just have to hum it at home. Think of something <laughs> scrambled eggs, whatever it is. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Toss salads and scrambled eggs. Mercy. Good afternoon from Witherspoon and Angus Haggis. First, thank you for last week's lovely compliments. And if I haven't told you yet, Royfield, you're very cool, and don't you forget that. And Lucy, you're very funny and smart, as I will explain in just a minute. No Radio 4 pun intended there. It's been quite a busy few days here in New York City, as all of Scotland has landed to celebrate Tartan Week. We've been having a laugh and a few whiskeys with some wonderful people, and Angus has definitely been the center of much attention. But we've still been working hard. In fact, we've been having a spirited debate today. The question thank you, Kate, is do strawberries have feelings? We've been doing a Medline search for articles on the subject, but haven't found the answer. So we decided to prepare a manuscript addressing the issue, and when completed, we'll submit it for publication. The next question will be, do ferrets suffer from separation anxiety? The archers raised such profound questions this week. On a more serious note, Lucy, you hit it on the head regarding your concerns for little Henry's safety. I also voiced this concern in my second call to you when I reviewed the etiology of Rob's pathology. If you've noticed, Henry has been expressing some age-typical oppositional behavior, and Rob has been more and more short-tempered with him. Abusive parents can certainly be loving to their children much of the time, but if they have difficulties dealing with stress and modulating their temper, as Rob does, remember the incident during the hunt, then children, who during the course of normal development, will say no. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. 
In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Owen stamp their feet or throw themselves on the floor in a tantrum are in the firing line. Henry, unlike Helen, doesn't know how to become obsequious in order to dance with the devil, so to speak. I do think the scriptwriters are setting it up so that Rob and Anger hits Henry. What will Helen do then? On a lighter note, I should mention that I may not be able to call in next weekend because my brother is getting married to a lovely woman he's known since childhood, much like the story of Ed and Emma. But my future sister-in-law didn't marry me first, carry my child, mistake who the father was, and then leave me for my brother. But maybe Emma will burn that dress of hers before the wedding when she finds out that Ed, upon the advice of his always sensible and prudent financial wizard of a father, has purchased a tractor for the price of a small home mortgage. You know, when I was a young child, my mother always warned me against following the poor judgment of others by uttering that famous mom aphorism, if your friends are going to jump off a cliff, would you also do it? Well, Ed, that cliff you just jumped off of may have been as high as the ones in Dover. Oh, Angus is telling me enough with the jokes. We have to get back to our research on strawberries. We'll be chatting again soon. Bye-bye. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Toss salads and scrambled eggs. Mercy. Um, he wants to know if strawberries have feelings. He's going to write, uh, him and uh, Angus Haggis are going to write a, a thesis on whether or not strawberries have feelings. I'm not sure Kate has feelings, to be honest. Uh, I think Kate was probably envious of the strawberries having more empathy than she did. Um, <laughs> and do ferrets suffer from anxi- uh, separation anxiety? Uh, yes, I would have I think thought they do. absolutely, because yeah. they're mammals, so yeah. Yeah, they're actually quite intelligent, so yeah. they would. And old Daffers was uh, was squeaking away at Joe when he found her, wasn't, wasn't, mm. wasn't he? Very sweet. They stink, ferrets. Absolutely stink. Do they? You would be you'd have been able to find it much much sooner than they did because they bloody <laughs> reek. Honestly, <laughs> awful things. No, they're very. I mean, they're nice. People take them for walks, don't they? Do they? In Hackney, yeah, it's like a it's like a hipster thing. Yeah, and you can what, see them round a, hip, a hipster thing in the countryside. No, in so in instead the of having like thing. a lumbersexual shirt and beard, you walk around <laughs> with lumbersexual. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yes. No, I've seen people walking them on them down by Lee Bridge and everything, and, and all around there. Are yeah. you serious? Serious, absolutely. Yes. My dog does not know what the hell they are. He rears back in alarm, quite rightly. Probably the smell. Uh, I like the way when we go to Cosmo, by the way, that you can hear lots of scribbling before he starts speaking. Mm. And I get that he's... I'm thinking, I really hope there's not a patient sat there (laughs) waiting for him to finish. But, you know, 
uh, or maybe he's, he's just writing his notes from the previous session or he's, he's, he's making some background notes for us. I don't Are know. Are you talking about Witherspoon? Yes, what did I say? Cosmo. Cosmo. Sorry, it meant Witherspoon. Yes, I'm, okay. getting me, I'm getting me accountants and my psychotherapists confused. Mm. Yeah. Well, it's, it's apparent to me mm. that uh, some of our listeners do have notes as they're uh, going through Yes, you course. sometimes hear the page turning, don't you? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we know should take we should take a note from that, Lucy. Maybe do a bit of prep. Before <laughs> I think we, we, we should write shit down before we just go. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. <laughs> oh, good to have a quick emailer in John Cop. It's very sad. This one. Mm. She, he just starts. Well, <laughs> I love John Cop. I have gone four weeks without listening, and I don't miss the current format. It has got too silly for me, so I gave up. Ironically, my wife has got into the habit and I will get odd snippets like she told me Rob agreed to paternity test. No one is naive enough to think it will be his own sample. Anyway, life goes on and I was trying to remember where I first heard it. We left there when I was what, does it, what, what samples are you referring to? The, the sample that impregnated um, his missus? I don't know. I don't or know the what sample, sample swab taken from the inside of his mouth. I'm really hoping that one. Oh, okay. Um, he said he started listening when he was eight and he is now 68. And in those days, you had to wait for the valves to warm up. And then my dad used to retune <laughs> the set each time, partly because he was a wireless operator for the RAF in the war. Uh, and then he says, all the best for the future of the podcast. Oh, John, don't go. Then it will get better. Well, it might not get better, but it'll change. Something will happen. Don't give up on 60 years of archersness. That's very sad. Come back, John. Put up with it just for us. Well, I think, right, I think there's a lot of talk when people say, oh, that's it, I'm off, I'm, I'm never, I'm never going to listen again. It's but like actually, the buggers that say, if Labour gets really in, I'm leaving the country, and they're never the people that you actually want to go, and they never go. Exactly. Yeah. And he's anyway, he's let the cat out of the bag. He's listening vicariously through his missus yes. anyway. He's so he's not going anywhere. Listen. And he's still listening to Dum Dee Dum. So he knows exactly what's going on. Yeah. So he can, he can pretend that you, you, Mr. Cop, you can pretend that you've flounced off, but you haven't really. <laughs> if anyone was going to flounce, John Cop is at the bottom of a very long list. <laughs> 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 a less flouncy man I have uh, ever yet to discover. Uh, Glyn Fullerlove, who sounds mm. quite flouncy but isn't, said, congratulations on our first birthday. Thank you very much. Mm. First birthday means that we are now fully potty trained, doesn't it? Oh, you're joking. Are you don't not? get potty trained until you're, like, getting on two. That's true. Or in your case, 42. Um, Dumpty Dump is my podcast hey, of the it. week. stop it. However... <laughs> I'd be lying if I said I, I didn't completely stop wet in the bed until I was about 11, 12. Really? Yeah, 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 yeah. A lot of boys do, though, don't they? Mm. It was highly, highly, highly embarrassing. I'm sure. I remember going off on Do you know you have trips. a pill for it now? They yeah, exactly, it, yeah. exactly. But back in the back in the seventies, there's no such Aww. thing. You just I used to just cross my fingers, cross my legs, Aww. pray to whatever deity there was that I, you know. When I was out at a friend's and I didn't piddle the bed, and there's like Aww. a one in four chance. Oh, it was Aww. horrendous. 
proper anxiety I had, you know, before I, you know, go around to my auntie's house, you know, during the summer holidays and be with my cousin, be like, please don't let me work to please don't let me work to Oh, that's oh, so oh. sad. Horrible. Mm, yeah. So don't joke about these things, Lucy. Did your, did your mum, did you talk to your mum about it? Well, of course, but she, it's like, uh, what could she do? Yeah. You know, now you just go down the doctors yeah. and, the, and the little kid get, get, gets a pill. But back yeah. then, yeah. you know, there was this boy in school, Mark Plant, who actually got me to support Birmingham City. And as a little kid, we also, we also used to say, Mark, you smell of biscuits. Oh, As an no. adult, I know stale piss. He also oh. wet his bed every night. Pissy plant. Absolutely. And he used to wear those kind of uh, nylon Rupert the Bear trousers with elasticated waist. So I suppose, you know, it, they just kind of dried out super duper quick. But oh God, he, we used to say, Mark, you smell of biscuits all the time. But all oh, stale pee is what it was. And he's, you know, his mum should have got, got him sorted with, uh, with the flannel first thing in the morning at the yeah. very least. But she didn't. But anyway, you know, so don't joke about these things. It scarred me for life. Oh, sorry. Mm. Sorry, that was not a pleasant segue for me. <laughs> but <laughs> I think we need... with a spoon, with a spoon. <laughs> but He's with a spoon says, says he did say, Royful, be careful what you share. You know, and and I feel like I've probably overshared, but I am some <laughs> somewhat through that now. But anyway, somewhat. I hope you are. Well, I haven't peed the bed in the last thirty years. 30 Next plus time I years. see you, I check you don't smell the biscuits. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway I can't, What the hell were we talking about? Glenn Fullerlove, that's what we were doing um, That's a tremendous surname by the way Fullerlove, isn't it? Mm. Yeah uh, He said uh, He went on business to Sarasota On the Gulf Coast of Florida for business mm. I am not complaining, there are lots of worse places To go on business, there certainly are Swindon for one But Sarasota oh. is very, very popular Oh, can I just ban yes. the use of the word Swindon on this podcast? Mm. Gratuitous Swindonness. You've just said it. <laughs> I didn't. I said Wh- Swindonness is different. Uh, okay. That is the art of being that place that I'm not allowed to say. Anyway, mm. he said, it's, Sarasota is very popular for Americans on spring break. And it was slightly weird that in our hotel, my colleague and I were wearing business attire and everyone else was in swimming gear and flip flops. My sense mm. of dislocation was, however, soothed by being able to listen to Brian worrying about cake cooking on Easter Sunday and Tom trying to get word in edgeways with Susan. Between the dislocation and the jet lag, I was also happy that the drama level while I was away did not exceed fooling around with ferrets. <laughs> he also says that sounds like a book Falling Around with Ferrets by J.R. Hartley in praise of podcasts I should add that if any Dumpty Dummers have not yet listened to Royfield's 10 American Presidents podcast about Nixon I can thoroughly recommend that too what oh. a nice man oh oh thank you Mr. Full of Love I'm full of love for you too boom boom where's the oddest place where's the most kind of context conte- confusing contextually a uh, place you've ever listened to the archers uh crumbs you just thrown that one on me sorry um you've not wet yourself in panic have you <laughs> i would have no i think maybe minsk airport <laughs> about 8 years ago what were you doing 7 in 8 minsk? years ago i went on um business trip to Minsk 
and it was a bit of a nightmare. To be fair to the Belarusian Immigration Services, Visa Services, it very clearly says that to enter our wondrous nation, you need, I think it's 150 US dollars. It very clearly said that. Okay, so I racked up and the With three queue, quid and a washer. Well, <laughs> I wish, oh well, mm, that would have done me no good even to have three quid and a washer. I racked up, credit card in hand, the queue was humongous. So there is the queue for Belarusian citizens and then there's a queue for everybody else and they are going at communist speed. Right. You know, Belarus is one of these weird countries which is nominally capitalist but really it's crypto communist still okay so uh and they are just going at bureaucratic snail's pace speed and looking at everybody's passport you know asking the most inane questions and whatever and then eventually stamping your passport i get all the way to the front and this is an hour and a half i was listening to the archers i get all the way to the front and then they go, um, why are you here? I'm here to do business. Who are you doing business with? And I said, and you know what they did? They called the business. Really? They actually got on the phone and says, and they called the business. Do you know of a Royfield Brown? Yes. Uh, well, obviously that was selling uh, Bielorus. Uh, but, you know, and you're da. <laughs> on the other end listen 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 nah. yeah and then they uh put the phone down asked me some more questions and he said 150 dollars please i handed him my credit card he said cash oh. I, went, I went and i looked back at the the length of the queue oh, and he said well you're just gonna have to find the cash Lucy, I was in that. I, was, I didn't get through immigration for three and a half hours. I just couldn't believe it. That's where I, and I listened to the archers. So Joe Grundy, Eddie Grundy et al. got me through the most frustrating <laughs> <laughs> three and a half hours of my life. And uh, yes, that welcome to Bielorussia. It was just, oh, it, it was, I was so upset with myself. And then, uh, then what I did stupidly, I then withdrew the equivalent in Belarusian currency out. And he went, sir, you're an idiot. I told you US dollars. Went, this is the equivalent. He went, no, you need to go to the Bureau mm. de Change, not to the ATM and get me 150 American dollars. He called you an idiot? Well, in a very polite way. <laughs> <laughs> he said something worse the effect of, sir, did you not recollect our, our conversation when I very clearly said... You muppet, yes. Yeah, you idiot. <laughs> so I was like, oh, God. So anyway... Anyway. I had so, a yes. very confusing moment when I, you know, do you remember when I, we recorded when I was in Barcelona? Mm-hmm. I was <clears throat> listening to the archers writing my monologue on the balcony of an apartment in Barcelona that was overlooking Sagrada Familia, mm-hmm. and I was also doing some other stuff for Radio Four that involved me listening listening to War and Peace and writing a piece about Moscow in the eighteen mm. sort of fifties. And I was switching between listening to War and Peace and listening to The Archers and writing my monologue. And uh, Simon had taken the children out and I finished what I was doing, went to meet them 
And as I was walking along through Barcelona, I suddenly thought, I don't know where I am. I, I just, it was the most peculiar feeling and I've only had it a couple of times in my life and it's so scary. And I just completely forgot which country I was in because I had half of Moscow in my head, half of Ambridge and everything else in my head. And I just couldn't remember. I, I sort of knew where I was going in terms of what, that I was going to meet the children and everything, but I just couldn't remember what what language anybody was speaking or what. It wasn't making sense at all. It was a really, really disconcerting experience. Hmm. And my friend, and I thought, I, I thought I'm going to keep this quiet because clearly I've got early onset Alzheimer's. And then I did mention it to my friend who is a professor of Hindi literature and she's English and she lived in um, Delhi for a while and she was in the English library in Delhi mm. writing all about Ian Forster and everything came out and the same thing happened to her she just had no idea where she was even though she lived there and she had to re- some children recognised her who lived down the uh, road from her and they recognised her because she was English and she looked different you know she was sort of stood out mm. and they said we'll take you home and they got her back to her house again oh wow well, but that, she that... she didn't know what she's an incredibly sort of cerebral person she lives in her head mm. and she just the physical world just didn't make any impact on her at all she was just in her head and she you know writing about and she, she didn't know what year it was or anything because she'd just been immersed in sort of Victorian literature isn't that weird well, My I, God, we're segueing like mad today. No, but I think, but you're onto something here, which is part of this taking a little bit of England with you when you mm. go around the world and you listen to pod, the, the the Archers podcast. Mm. And you know, we, we have t- kind of touched on this before, and it does make the world a much smaller place. And and I've said this before when I go and visit my kids in Canada, that. Um, I don't just listen to radio for Stroke 5 Live. Um, uh, you know, I know some people are going to be horrified uh, about me ad- admitting that. And then also what I do, specifically if I'm working, is not completely, but for the most part, I still keep to British time. Mm. So I'll get up at 5 o'clock Canadian time, which means I've got a couple of hours before the kids get up uh, ready for school and I'll answer emails and I'll call people etc and you can forget where you are Mm. you know you're you're surrounded by these English voices by these British voices um, and it it makes the world seem like a much 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 smaller place you know, you're walking around with this hour of wallpaper, which is incredibly familiar. But and less then... exciting, though, isn't it? I mean, don't you no. miss out then on all that kind of... Because no, for me, I... listening, I always have local TV on or radio on wherever I am, because even if I don't understand one word, it just makes me feel that I'm somewhere... No, 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 yeah, exactly. And, and, and actually, it's um, I'm surprised that in my last trip abroad, I didn't get run over... <laughs> Because I'm constantly looking the wrong way because yeah. I'm listening to English, yeah. British voices all the time in my ears. Yeah. And and actually, I'm not really properly abroad. I'm mm. only partly abroad. Mm. 
you know, so every now and then you get this kind of jarring experience where you'll say something, somebody doesn't understand what you're talking about because in your head, you're still kind of, you're still, you're still in Britain, you're still in London, whatever, you're listening to But that's to what radio the internet's done, isn't it? It's kind oh, of created this, this homogeneity of kind of, of, of yes. travel where everything's just, mm. you take it all, you are your own universe, you take it all with you. Mm. That's terrible. And it's going to get me run over the next time. <laughs> 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 no, listen, absolutely. Um, and so, what has this got to do with with our caller? I don't know. Um... Oh, it wasn't it? Was an, it wasn't it an email or error? And it was, and he gave me a big, big up about Nixon. Yes. And then, how did we get on to you I not knowing where? Absolutely no idea. Mm. <sighs> um, and John from Dorset. This is the last email or error. He's a first time writer in error. He says. Mm. Um, he says. Why did you agonise so much about the background music? Did you really think that there wasn't enough else in the programme to differentiate, differentiate it from Radio 4? Lucy's description of the possible serviette holder, for example. Yes, I was wondering if that would cause any... <laughs> <coughs> and it did. Um, personally, I like the music, but then again, I am that side of 50, that side of 60, actually. Ooh. Then he says, now that Frida, R.I.P., has gone, there must be some place on the payroll for another character. I would be happy to sit in the corner of the ball saying nothing while others say nice things about me. How could I apply? Well, that, John, you have to write mm. to us with a £20 note and we will forward it to the authorities. That's mm. how you do it. Uh, now, I don't want to... Wanna... again. <laughs> no, 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 no. This is going to be really, really quite short. Uh the background music has made a reappearance. Yeah, I've done. I've done, you know. I pe- for all those people that don't like it, you can't say as I didn't give it a whirl. But I've been surprised by the the backlash against silence. I've been surprised. Um, the it's been there on the twitters. I've had people call me up and say, "Dude, this thing don't sound like how it used to sound." I've had... Whoa, 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 whoa. Nobody who listens to our podcast says dude. You'll be surprised. No, You'll be I surprised. Would be, I would be so surprised I would faint. All who, right, then. Who says dude that listens to our pod- uh, podcast? Well, a couple of people who I met in the States, actually. Huh. So there you go. Conveniently out of contact so we can't <laughs> alright then me old mucker I had a couple of people ring up and say me old mucker your podcast and I'll sound different no not that either <laughs> anyway uh, so the music's back um, and I think you're stuck with it because I for <laughs> one think that what it does do it gives the show a certain pace that's all I'm saying I'm moving on I'm not going to drone on for another three minutes about it I gave it a go uh more people seem to like it which surprised me than didn't the end andrew horn andrew horn here first time on speak pipe two hurrahs this week heather pet yes you didn't expect them to move up north sanity is restored maybe we can now just move on and put this all behind us and helen standing up to the titchy knob hurrah but I think it'll only get his back up. And I'm sad to say, I foresee more tears. Bye. I'm going out for lunch with Andrew Horn. Can I just say, right, mm. that considering that uh, the Wonder Women have been a, 
around for much longer than Lucy's pussy posse. She's obviously now a pussy and penis posse. Right. <laughs> right. No oh one at uh, my posse. I've gone off posse. Well, uh, well, <laughs> no one's ever taken me out for lunch. Dusty substances. Maeve. You know, I just, what the hell is going on here? Well, you've either got it or you haven't. It's not what you do, it's not what you've got, it's what you do with it, Royfield. That's all I can say. Anyway, uh, Andrew Horn says... Very disappointed in you, Dusty. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Heather Pett has restored sanity because Mm. she said, yes, it's fine, it's no big deal. He was going to go, he changed his mind. The end, shut up about it, I'm bored now, which is quite good. Yes. Mm. If she'd put her teeth in and said it, that would have been all for the good. But she didn't, so there we go. Can't have everything. Hi, it's Miss Mid-City after a bit of a break, during which time I've been on holiday to Berlin, Prague, Vienna and Budapest. And uh, otherwise, um, catching up on my archers listening and enjoying the recent podcasts, which have been consistently of a really high standard. So well done. And uh, thank you for making it so entertaining. Thank you to everybody who participates because the caller in of us have been great too. I've been provoked into calling now because of recent developments. This Rob baby paternity nonsense is one of them. I, for one, am not impressed by the way it's been handled because it's a, it's a real nonsense of a storyline to me. Is it his child or not? I'm not sure I care, but it's taking up so much time that I'm, I'm having to take a an interest in it if it's not his child I really don't know what the problem is with him proving it if he knows for a fact it's not it's quite simple Um, you take the DNA test so what has he been worried about why has it taken him so long to take the test if you've got nothing to worry about get on with it Uh, on the other hand if it turns out to be his child he has behaved despicably but we know him to be a monster already he should just pay up and shut up problem for him is that he may never be rid of Jess and the baby unless he resorts to killing them and that's a whole nother drama it's better for the ongoing plot that he does have a child uh, that Helen knows how he has behaved and that he has an estranged wife and a child that are going to remain part of his life and that's a real nuisance to someone who wants to be shot of both of them But if it's not his child, what is the point? It's a total dead end of a story. Makes no difference to me. Doesn't make him a nice person all of a sudden. It doesn't vindicate him for being an utter swine. And having listened to Thursday's episode, where not for the first time, he was trying to control and manipulate Helen through mealtimes. That's really sinister. The idea that by deliberately making a horrible meal she feels guilty enough to think he can't cope without me being at home full time that is horrible and it's really uncomfortable listening oh and the last thing uh because i'm running out of time is the return of richard Locke. it can only mean one thing goodbye alistair it's a bit boring and yeah, it's it's hackneyed to have yet another infidelity storyline. The Adam, Charlie, Ian thing hasn't resolved itself yet. We kind of know where that's headed. And the Elizabeth, Roy, Haley thing. 
yeah, that again, not quite resolved. And here we come with another another story of unfaithfulness. I'm a little bit tired of it and I would have thought they could have come up with something a little bit more inventive to revive any interest in Shula and Alistair. <laughs> Actually, that's quite hopeless. Don't bother with those two. Why not just have them plunging off a cliff in a car or something? I don't know. I'm not interested in them. And this isn't going to make Shula interesting or Alistair for that matter. So can they just toddle off into the sunset some other way? Um, oh, that's it from me. <laughs> and Miss Mid-City, uh, who is very irritated by this paternity suit thing. Can I just say, mm. right, that Mid-Mid-City, she's got a Bond villain-esque cackle. I know. We've got some great laughs on this show, haven't we? Absolutely. People who listen, they should all... I tell you what, go and please, I know it'll be a trial, but you could take earplugs. Go and listen to some Radio 4 comedies on the 6.30 slot, just so that I don't have to listen. There's one woman who seems to go to every sodding Radio 4 free broadcast comedy, mm. and her cackling laugh is on every single recording that I listen to. So you lot go and do your lovely, delicious, chuckly laughs instead, and that will make it infinitely more pleasurable to listen to. Uh, yes, she's annoyed by uh, the paternity suit storyline and by uh, the brothers Milliband moaning at each other. Um, I really don't know what to do about this paternity suit thing. I say do about it. There's nothing I can do about it. But, you know, how it, you can't fake it. I don't know what is going on. And it mm. and is annoying me now, especially as it keeps going quiet. What's happening? When is he having the test? Or is he too busy poisoning mushroom stroganoff to do the test? But you know what I mean? It's just, if he can't fake it, then either do it or don't do it. Get the results. Let's go. Let's move it on, you know. Mm. I, well, my thoughts and feelings about this bloody paternity uh, storyline are, are well documented so I'm not even going to weigh in anymore but suffice to say um, have you ever faked it? What a paternity test? No I can safely say I haven't When somebody accuses you of faking it generally what they're referring to? <laughs> uh, your enjoyment <laughs> Of what? In general. <laughs> okay, let's let's move on. Did, did you ever watch that um, that show, Faking It, where it was up which I thought was yes. absolutely brilliant? Yeah, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Yeah, and it just shows as well that thing about fake it till you make it. You just kind of you know, mm. if you the first five times you do something, you're just basically copying other people without knowing what you're doing, and then eventually you just find that you you're doing it anyway, sort of thing. Mm. Brilliant show, brilliant yes. show. And talking about shows, Daredevils on Netflix. Woohoo! <laughs> I tell you what, Lucy, it's ridiculously violent. I tell you what, if you don't like people getting a bit of a punch to the chops, I do don't. Yeah, well, don't watch it then. I won't. But it's absolutely no intention of watching <laughs> it. <laughs> but we King have met, Bad Carrier. <laughs> Bad I know, I was watching your little exchange with him and getting all excited about it. But yeah, there is something like, oh, it's, I'm not going to say it's the best drama ever because that would just be nonsense, right? 
But in terms of a depiction of a world where people are trying to right wrongs and wear masks, this is the <laughs> most believable portrayal of that world. And, and it's not by accident that it's Daredevil because he is the blind superhero who just has heightened other senses. And, and you know, he isn't strong like Superman. He can't fly. And he very much inhabits the real world. And I am seeing... Uh, on my on my computer screen, on my TV, um, the portrayal, an authentic, realistic portrayal of a hero, a character which I've loved for some thirty years, mm. and it's it, 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 I don't want to say I don't want to say it's emotional and and start welling up and tearing up, but I'm pretty much am. <laughs> you know, it's just <laughs> I I can only imagine that you literary types that that read books. And then when you see a faithful yeah. uh, adaptation of that. No, it's like Napa It's when they got that right. Yeah, it's just they got And it's got what they, this. when they destroyed the Blandings Castle thing, it just makes you feel aggrieved, hurt, disappointed, furious, everything else. Yes. Mm. This is just, I'll tell you, this is, this is absolutely great. Though, um, I understand um, if sensitive souls would say it's just a little bit violent. If anything they could have probably rained down a little bit on the punching, the punchy bits, because um, the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe has been mercilessly uh, free of punchy, punchy stuff, you know, with Thor and Iron Man and Captain America. But those are for family audiences. This is Netflix, so it's much mm. more adult. Oh, well, Jeremy so Clarkson they... will fit right in then, won't he? <laughs> I'll tell you what, you know. I'll... Ooh. If Matt Murdock, who is a Dead Devil's uh, alter ego, came up against Jeremy Clarkson in a dark alley, I wouldn't <laughs> mind if he gave him a couple of punchy punches. I tell you, <laughs> I'd say, let yourself go, Daredevil. <laughs> but, but, but to be to be fair, to, uh, why be fair with Jeremy Clarkson anyway? Yeah. Uh, where do you stand on the whole Clarkson thing, Lucy? It's. Like a lot of these people, I think as an entertainer, he is very funny. If we didn't know about his personal unpleasantness, you could separate the two. But the fact is we now live in a sort of show business world where you know everything about everybody. Um, But you can't, you know, you, you just don't go around punching people. You don't. especially when it's not their fault well even if it is their fault you just don't go around doing it Um, but the thing that I find really sad really about the people Mm. that are leaping to his defence and um, being very ridiculous about him coming back and everything they honestly think oh you know oh he'd be great to go to the pub with you know we'd get on really well he feels like one of my mates he would rather crawl over broken glass than spend any time with any of his fans. He hangs around with Cameron, Rebecca Brooks, um, uh, you know, A.A. Gill, uh, public school educated members of the uh, upper middle classes and the establishment. Mm. He doesn't have an anarchic... He is a crashing snob. And he would rather... He loathes his audience. Mm. And, you know, he takes every opportunity to humiliate him, them, and they are the ones 
that are cantering to his defence. And I just think that says an awful lot about the English character. Sadly, that's what I think. You probably weren't expecting uh, that, but there we go. <laughs> I, I think you've... Um... It's a, it's a very erudite uh, kind of portrayal of uh, of him. My thing is that he comes from this class of, uh, in effect, you can't say the establishment, no, I do say the establishment, a class of people who have a sense of entitlement. Yeah. It's a sense of entitlement yeah. that, um, of which... Boris Johnson is comp- yeah. and David Cameron are different. Yeah. Part- and I don't have, you know, I don't agree with their politics and whatever. But I, I, I'm, you know, in any kind of democracy, you need countervailing uh, opinions, mm. and and the the amazing thing is about, let's say, Boris Johnson and um, more so Boris Johnson than actually uh, Clarkson is that. Um, they have this sense of an innate sense of entitlement, but the pair of them are able to hide it and actually, in effect, affect a connection with the common man. Mm. So, so even as long though, as it's through the medium of a TV screen, not in actual real life. But you know that is a great skill. That is absolutely mm. a great skill, and, and one one to behold. And. And, and that's my my biggest problem is that there is a certain strata of people who have this inbuilt, ingrained sense of entitlement that mm. they should be running the country. Yeah. That they yeah. do know what is best for the country. Yeah. And actually, these people um, don't have a wider sense of the diversity and some of the and the struggles that the vast majority of people the. Co- common and everyday struggles yeah. that the vast majority of people in, in our country actually do experience. However, you know, the fact that those two men in particular can appear to be populist, and I say mm. Boris Johnson's even a harder act actually mm. to, to pull off considering he sounds like a toff, mm. looks like a toff, at least Clarkson doesn't, sound, doesn't look and doesn't sound like a typical toff. Mm. You know, Clarkson still has that some kind of Yorkshire bowels going on and whatever, and, uh, uh, you know. But Boris Johnson, absolute genius. Here is somebody who can have, uh, apparently be populist, is an absolute member of the elite, mm. you know. And that is a neat trick to pull off, a yeah. neat trick to pull off. Yeah. And, and everybody who I know has ever been in a room with him just says, you walk out thinking like he's your best friend. Mm. You know, he has an absolute personal charisma and you do believe that he's listened to what you said. So people trot in there and they've got their cause that they need the mayor of London to try and back and whatever. And they come out thinking he's going to he's going to back me. Mm. Of course, they never hear from him ever again. Whatever. <laughs> but, you know, again, a neat trick that any po- politician in this age where everything is about how you feel. It's not actually about policy anymore. It's how you feel. And and, and and making people feel a sense of connection with you. These, these are skills to behold. So, do I do I like Jeremy Clarkson's politics? Absolutely not. Does he go for knee-jerk uh, solutions and, and cheap laughs? Absolutely. Is he very clever? Absolutely. Is he a great broadcaster? Absolutely. But in could you imagine if he had been just about anybody else 
and had punched mm. anybody in the workplace. Yeah. It, it, it doesn't matter the fact that you're funny. It doesn't no. matter the fact that you've got 30 years of broadcasting and actually you can string two words together. It's assault. Yeah. He shouldn't have... The Prime Minister of the United Kingdom should not be defending it. No. When we hit people, no one defends us. We just get lumbered with assault charges, don't we? When we hit people on behalf of Dumpty Dum. (laughs) (laughs) Who have you hit on behalf of Dumpty Dum, Lucy? (laughs) You go first. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't hit anybody, Lucy. No. No. It's because you're a good I just hit our listeners with love. There you go. (laughs) 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 Anyway, have we done all of our. uh, We have done caller inners, emailer inners, and all types of inners. And just just again, just (laughs) please watch Daredevil on Netflix. It's it's very good. It's very, very, very good. Uh, So, why don't we now take five, have an ad break, then come back with your hashtag The Archers tweets of the week. Mr. Pop. That the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Four score and seven years ago. When in the course of human events. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. There is not a black America and a white America and Latino America and Asian America. There's the United States of America. Listen to the first show exclusively on Mixcloud today and subscribe to us on iTunes beginning January the 18th. From Washington to Obama. 10 American Presidents, the new podcast from Royfield Brown. Good day, everyone. It's Millie Bell here with a roundup of Facebook for the week. We asked following on from the podcast who votes for what in Ambridge, and not, not many people got involved, but those that did had some very strong opinions. Becky Black suggested that Brian probably flirted with being a kipper for a bit, but on the day we'll stick with the Tories, to which we said, not sure Brian would ever think of voting UKIP as he employs Eastern Europeans as fruit pickers. Good cheap labour. To which she replied, Ah, but you see, UKIP also want to sweep away nonsense like employment rights and protection and minimum wage and stuff, so he could employ British people on crap wages instead of immigrants. Diane Telford said Susan will vote for the man in the best suit. Bert and Joe are old school deferential, so will vote Tory, as will most of the village. Fallon might vote Labour if she bothers, and Helen will vote for who she's told to by Rob. I was also inspired by making an absolutely outrageously heart attack cake that I've made for my kids, and said, what are you guys doing for Easter? What are you making? Is anybody following Jill's example and making hot cross buns? And there were some lovely answers, and I have to read you my favourite Facebook post of the week. So... Uh, Claire Steet said hot cross buns and similar cake both done in anticipation of Easter. One service sung and three more to go. It isn't very obvious I'm a harried chorister, is it? Uh, Angela Nagel is having buns in bed starting off Easter. Mark Evidence, <laughs> Evidence said, I'm sure I'll be enjoying some perfectly formed hot buns over the weekend. And I'm not sure if he was sticking to topic there. 
Uh, Peter Mabbott also said Easter isn't Easter without getting one's lips around Jill's bones. <laughs> but my favourite uh, post of the week in response to the question was from Kirsty Johnston, who said, I'm going to be eating my own body weight in cream egg brownies. It's what Jesus would have wanted. <laughs> I love that. So thank you, everybody. And I'll talk to you all again next week. Ciao. <laughs> Did you notice the way I said the week like a proper broadcaster? Like Jeremy Clarkson, in fact, the week. Exactly. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Go for it then, Lucy. Oh, okay. Uh, for, there's a lot of these. Sorry, because we have two weeks. Um, Cole Rayner said, this is after the Sandhurst. Uh, so can can we cue this up again and say, Lucy, why don't you give us your hashtag the Archers tweets of the by week for our North American cousins? Okay. Uh, Cole Rayner. Who's that woman in the frumpy dress in that photo? Oh, it's you, Shula. <laughs> um, then we, there was a very abusing day when everyone got very carried away with Archer's rhyming slang. Mm. Exeter Dormouse had Peggy Woolly, Selfish Bully. <laughs> and, That's very good. Uh, Jeremy Peake, Richard Locke, Massive Smile. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is, sorry about this. this is Massive Doc. On... <laughs> That's what he meant, Richard Locke. <laughs> Richard Locke, Massive Doc. Uh, I have to do my appalling uh, Geordie accent again now, so I apologise to everybody who's north of the Watford Gap. Uh, Cello Suze. I hear the Prudder home for old gadgies is very nice, Heather Pet. <laughs> old gadgies. <laughs> I like that. Uh, Felix Keeps On said, she was only half listening, and she said, I thought Tony said he was going to look at some balls. I thought the episode was perking up a bit. Um, Herbie hmm. Potts said thank god that's this is the ferrets thank god that storyline is over but don't let roy take the ferret home remember what richard gear did to that hamster allegedly herbie um miss person said old daphne was better and tweet of the week is if we had any ham who said i can't believe jill oh oh sorry tweet of the the, the bye week sorry tweet of the bye week if we had any ham, said, I can't believe Jill didn't bake Heather a cake iced with, ha ha, I won the farm and the family. You fuck off safely now. <laughs> <laughs> that might, w- might well be tweet of the month. <laughs> or even the bye month. <laughs> oh, come that that was quite funny. <laughs> is it shop we? news, Royfield? Is it? Uh, I tell you what, we do have some shop news, Lucy. Yay! <laughs> I was worried we wouldn't. Would you, Would you like to hear some shop news? Go on then. Tell you what, these fuller loves—they're all over our business at the moment. Because guess what? Have they bought a thing? A fuller love has only gone and bought a organic men's fitted T-shirt. Dark. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Do you just copy and paste this straight out the spreadsheet? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, um, I think what we need is a picture of this organic men's fitted T-shirt. Dark. Yes. Send us um, pictures of organic men in their T-shirts, which are dark, please, and uh, that'd be great because uh, then it would just prove how handsome, fit, virile 
our listeners are when they wear our merch. And you can join them by heading over to dumptydum.com forward slash shop shop to get your own organic men's fitted t-shirt or mug or tumbler or ironing board cover or oh we haven't done the yoga mats but we're going to do the yoga mats ironing board cover oh okay i made that bit up oh i was gonna say i thought that was new yeah no we, we we don't have them in our shop yet but i promise this week i will get round to you're getting on my chakras uh, for the yoga mats because <laughs> uh, I, I think those will go down like hot lentil bakes they you know they'll, they'll go down very very well Ryan will have to rush off on shoot business again mm-hmm. <laughs> now uh, we would like to thank everyone who has donated to the Royal Borchester Bank of Dum-de-Dum and remember you can donate by clicking on the donate button on dumdidum.com and this week we'd like to thank Mrs Sheila Snowden for depositing her hard-earned cash into her coffers. Now, she does this every week, and we love you for Every it. week or every month? Oh, crumbs. Yeah, every month. Every month. She donates every month, and you're most awesome, and you're most fantastic. Thank you. And it's meant that we could uh, renew our domain name. Hooray! So we put your Otherwise, money... we'd have to be Dumpty Bum. So that's good. What? Why would we have to be in Because we'd have to, we would have to, we'd lose our domain name and we'd have to go and get another one. Oh, that's true. So maybe somebody would have cyber squatted on dumptydum.com because of all the high traffic levels we get to it. Yes. Mm hmm. Cyber squatted? Yeah, that's what happens. Mm. Yeah, yeah. When you, got a, when you have a domain name and then you, and it has any kind of traffic to it worth talking about, then you forget to renew. Then you come to renew it a month later. This has happened to me on a couple of occasions, and then it's gone. So I had this domain name, Newsjacker, and now some random company are, are using my bloody name, which are and slight, but it's my own fault for not renewing it in time. So thank you, Miss Sheila Snowden, for uh, giving us the cash so we could renew our domain name, so we didn't end up in a Newsjacker domain name cyber squatting type situation because then we'd have to call the podcast something else yes dumpty bum now this is part of the show that everybody you know what you can really like gauge the temperature of my mood by how i attack the next segment is this this bit all you now can i eat yes it is what, are you not concentrating? Sorry, I am now, yep. Right, and normally you sing along as well. Sorry, I was thinking about my hot cross bun. <laughs> now, what do reviews mean, folks? They mean that I have nothing to moan about this week because this week we have... Rev- Listen, the reviews river has burst its banks, folks. Oh, yes, we've been flooded We've been deluged with reviews. Well, okay, that's a slight exaggeration, but we have reviews. I've got something to talk about. So get your dinghies ready. We have reviews from... John from Dorset. Another Dumpty Dum fan. One ex-widow. One bad lamb. And from the colony that got away, Wit and Angus. I wonder who that is. You can also go to patreon.com, search for Dumpty Dum, and you can donate $2 a show, which is about £1.30, if you would like to encourage us to broadcast every week for donating each and every time we podcast. Mm. 
Now, remember, you can also, 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 also send us a voice message via the site, which is dumdydum.com, or you can call us on 0203-0313105 from a phone type, apparatus type thing. Um, Tell you it's really sweet, Lucy. Tell you what, what times we live in, or sold farts, right? So, my little boy in Canada, little Quincy, Right. Um, whenever I call him, mm-hmm. I call him on my phone. Yeah. We go through to his mother's phone. He's only four, and uh, we Skype. And I go, "Hello, Quincy." And I go, "Hello, Daddy." And we have a little bit of a chat. Now, cannot remember why, but I had to call his mother on the phone, and I said, "Can I speak to Quincy?" And she said, oh, "Yeah, of course." And he went, "Daddy, why can't I see you?" Oh. I says, because I'm on the phone. He went, I know you're on the phone. Why can't I see you? Yeah. <laughs> and his mum was giggling in the back. He said, uh, Quincy, daddy's ringing you on the phone. And he went, I know he's on the phone. <laughs> I can't Why can't I see him? <laughs> <laughs> but if you have an old fashioned type phone type thing, uh, you can call us on that number, which I'll give you again. So 203-031-3105. Now, you can also ping us uh, an email, not a text message, an email via dumdydum.com and you can join John Cop or Cosmo or the other people that use that facility on a weekly, bi-weekly basis. Um, now, you can tweet me at Royfield if you're on the Twitters. <laughs> me at Lucy V. What are you Googling for? <laughs> you. Why? all tangled up in your syntax. No, I wasn't. <laughs> Shut up. Oh, you know, it's people like me. Who does purple purple, then? Uh, you did. Why is it Now, it's people like me that actually push on the English language. (laughs) You know, I experiment with syntax. (laughs) I invent new words. (laughs) You know what? People like you would have really slagged off Shakespeare when he was doing his plays. He just says, oh, to be or not to be. Things like that makes no sense. You know, it's like, shush, Lucy. I'm the reason why the English language is great. So stop it. Okay. There you go. Silence. Okay, don't stop it. Please talk to me. (laughs) (laughs) So please, please, please keep those reviews coming because we want to be top of the podcast charts before Heather Pet decides she needs a new set of teeth that fit. Actually, you know my son, William? Mm. Mm-hmm. He um, has uh, sort of a form of dyslexia. It's not dyslexia, but it's sort of a bit like that. Okay, go. And he does what you do. He makes up, if he can't get to the word that he wants, he'll make up a word that sounds like it. He'll sort of get close enough to it and bolt other words together to make the word that he wants. And when he was little, he was trying to describe what a blue bottle was, a fly, you know, the Mm. big old buzzy ones, horrible things. And he called it a this way, that way fly. (laughs) Because he was trying to explain how it, that was the way he could describe, because he thinks in pictures. Mm. And um, he forgot the word for wardrobe the other day and he was shouting to me that he couldn't find his shoes and then he did find them. And I said, oh, brilliant. Where did you find, where were they in the end? And he said, they were in that thing what I opened the door of and where all my clothes are there. And it's sort of like, it's he, he comes up to the word, the word goes, so he just puts lots of ideas together to make the picture that will enable you to see what he's talking about. But it's very interesting, actually. Well, and, and I can sort of see a lot of crossover with you, the, how you use language as well. Badly. Sloppily. 
Or creatively. <laughs> Which one of those adjectives? <laughs> creatively. There you go. Yeah. But there, there is, there, there comes a, a moment when your mouth is running away with itself. Mm. Your brain hasn't quite caught up. And out of that rush of yeah. neural activity comes new words. Yeah. And it's a beautiful thing to behold. Yeah. Yeah. He was. He got very excited when he saw the Millennium Bridge because mm-hmm. he likes engineering things. And he went rushing back to his sister and said, "Look, look, look! There's the min. Uh, the oh, what was it? The Millennium. The Millennium. <laughs> the Mille, The Millennium Flids." He said, and it was. It was kind of just everything all came rushing out at once. And then he collapsed laughing because he knew that was wrong, mm. but he couldn't get out what the proper word was. So now in the family, it's known as the Benelium Flids or whatever it was. My mum and dad always used to say that as a little kid, I used to call uh, Baby Sham, Baby Sham Pool. <laughs> pool? Yeah. I, I, <laughs> for whatever. I always used to giggle and say, oh, Baby Sham Pool. Oh, shut up. You know, I'm <laughs> 15 now. That joke's old and gone. <laughs> you were so cute. <laughs> right. Um... Oh, and, and you got... know, you know when the sunlight shines through the window and you can see all those bits of dust swirling round. Yes, he calls them li- he calls them light birds. Well, that's beautiful because he doesn't he didn't know what they were called, and but he doesn't say what are they called. He just tries to make a picture out of them with the words. Well, that's beautiful. Uh, he's got a, a career. Ahead of him, you know. As a poet. Written. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Or lunatic, one or the other. <laughs> oh, stop it. <laughs> but but it... Yeah, go on. There's never a dull moment with him because you don't know. He makes you look at the world in a different, slightly off-kilter off way because of the mm. way he describes things. So you have to imagine, you have to just let, rather than trying to force him into saying the right word, which quite often he won't even recognise as the right word, you sort of have to, see the picture that he's seeing and then you then you see what he means well maybe your little William will add as much of a contribution to the English language as the other William William Shakespeare because I'm reading Bill Bryson's mother tongue oh yeah yeah it's a great and yeah yeah and I forget how many words Shakespeare is said to have invented whether it's like 500 or yeah 1500 but it's a ridiculous amount of words and I've obviously not all of them stuck but you know he was just making up words as he was writing ad nauseum yeah you know and uh it and just so many phrases which have gone into the lexicon uh which you know absolutely phrases you know which are absolutely you know he's the genus of yeah and and then and also um he broke syntax or kind of all the time and but didn't have the excuse of, of me of um, be, being somewhat of an illiterate and whatever. But anyway, I wish her on Lucy. We should say goodbye because I don't know what the hell I'm talking about <laughs> now. <laughs> and somebody needs to edit together this monster. Yes. But, um And it's going to be somewhat of, of a monster of a show because we've spoken for a long, long, long time. We've got loads of calls, and uh, we need to say goodbye now. Oh, that's it from me. <laughs> Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, 
all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com.